All right, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians 3, 16. Yeah, if you'd like, you can stand. We're going to read one verse here, and then I'll pray. And then this is a cool passage. You're going to like this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Father, we, uh, we come to you asking that you would reveal your truth to us, that you would show us the word of Christ, that you would show us the glory of the gospel, that, Lord, we would not only believe that, that, that we would also feel that very deeply, the goodness of it, the beauty of it, the greatness of it. God, that we would sing, that we would teach and exhort one another. Father, we ask for your help and understanding and applying and living this out in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so first of all, Paul talks about the Word of Christ. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Are we all on the same page what he's talking about there, right? You know who Jesus is, right? Jesus is King of the universe. Uh, he is the most spectacular being in all creation. He's the perfect one. He is the one who spoke and everything into existence, sustains everything. He's the satisfier of our souls. The Bible describes him as the way, the truth, and life. And this is his word, okay? So this is the word about Jesus. This is his story. This is the word from Jesus. This is what he has done and what he will do, okay? Now, Paul is saying, you know, that this word ought to dwell in you richly. Now, I think one, one of the things that, I, one of my challenges this morning is that you would see this for the value that it is, okay? Um, one of my challenges this morning is that you would see that this is the word of Almighty God. Like, this is his story. This is his truth. This is the most valuable possession that a man or a woman could have. Now, I, I think that's going to be, it's going to be hard for us to get there um, because not everybody believes that. Now, let's clarify. If you took an exit poll at church and said, does everybody believe that this is the word of God? I think that you're going to get about a 98, 99% yes, okay? But listen, let, let's just be honest with ourselves. If it's the most valuable thing in your life, what are you going to do with it? That's going to show, isn't it? Like, that's going to show, like, like we're going to know that that's true, right? Like, this, you're going you're gonna to know it backward and forward. You're going to wear them out. You're going to have Bibles on your shelves that you have wore out the pages. That's, that's, that's going to be, it's going to be in your heart. It's going to be in your life. You're going to have it memorized, right? If we really believe that. And I, I think what, we're, what, what our challenge is today is we've we got to get there. Now, some of you are maybe already there, but, but we got to get there. In, in, in realizing what this is when he says the word of Christ. This is the word of Almighty God. The, the means by which the universe came into existence. That's, that's what you have right here. You know, one of, the, one of the problems is a lot of folks don't value this like they should. And what, what they do instead is they wish for an experience. Which those are cool. You know, but I can't tell you how many people have told me, man, if I just could see a miracle, you know. Man, if I could just see a miracle like in the Bible, if I could just, you know, have the burning bush 
you know, experience that Moses had, or if I could hear from heaven like Abraham, or if I could be like the Israelites and see the Red Sea part, and man, if, if I could have something like that, if I, if I could have been there when Jesus called Lazarus four days dead in the grave out of the tomb, man, then I would, I'd, man, I'd be different. Peter says, no, no, you wouldn't. That's interesting, isn't it? So in 2 Peter 1, Peter says, okay, he says, I'm a guy who's experienced all of that. But I'm telling you that this is better. Isn't that interesting? Let me read that to you. So 2 Peter 1.18, he says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Okay, and now he's going to tell you the story about when, you remember the transfiguration when Peter, James, and John were up on the mountain with Jesus, and all of a sudden, man, Jesus, he is, he is transfigured. He is made like his glorious self, right? And they see it happen. And then God speaks from heaven. You know, the voice of God from heaven. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. You know, and then they see Moses and Elijah show up. I mean, this is quite an experience, okay? So he's going to tell you about that. All right, he says... Um, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, verse 17. For when, we, when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, he's talking about God, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. But then he says in verse 19, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. My, my other ESV, it's an earlier translation, it says more sure. The, the word means more reliable. It means, it means it'll never disappoint. All right, so do you hear what Peter said? Let me, let me continue to read. To which you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture, he's talking about the Bible, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He's saying, this is the word of the Holy Spirit. This is the communication of the Holy Spirit. He says, this is better. This is more reliable. This is more sure than being on the mountain and Jesus is transfigured in front of you and Moses and Elijah show up and God speaks from heaven. He says, this is better for your life. That's interesting, isn't it? So, I guess it's on us, first of all, do we believe that? And if we do, then it ought to show somehow, right? And how's it going to show? Well, it's going to show in this way, verse 16, Colossians 3, it's our verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell means to live in you, to be at home in you, to dig up residence in you richly. All right? So, he says, let the word of Christ take up its residence in your life richly. You know what richly means, right? How how do you know if you're, what is rich? Well, rich is when you got a whole lot of something, right? And so he's saying, let the word of Christ live inside of you, permeate your, your, your body, your mind, your soul richly, a lot of it, all right? So how does that work practically? Well, how are you going to get this in here, in here? How are you going to get it in there so that it takes over, so that it lives in you? Well, you got to read it. You got to hear it. You got to study it. You got to ask questions. You got to make notes. You got you got to be all in. All right. And a lot of that's going to again depend on what do you believe about this. 
right? If you, if you believe, if you're completely convinced that this is the word of God that brings life into existence, and it'll do that in your soul, then you, you'll approach it differently. What I, what I find myself doing when I am, I am I'm convinced that, that this, this is the word of Christ, you know what I find myself doing? I find myself writing constantly whenever I'm reading. Like, I always get extra napkins at the restaurant when, when I go to have discipleship because I, I like to write, you know, and, and I find myself writing, and the more I write, and, and, and I don't actually ever keep most of that. It's just that's what people do when you're really, when you're really convinced of, that something's important, right? You ever, ever seen a group of guys that are getting ready to build something, and they go, they go eat donuts before they're getting ready to build? You know what they're doing? They're, they're drawing it out, you know, and they're, they got napkins and they're writing materials lists and we need this many two by four. And we, you know, have you ever seen coaches when they get together and they're planning a big, a big game? You know what they're doing? They're writing out plays and they're drawing out stuff. Have you ever seen women when they're planning uh, a big meal? You know, you know what they're doing? They're writing out, this is what we need. They're making a shopping list, right? And, and so when we come to the word of God, if we see this as the word of life, we're going we're gonna to study, we're going to know it, we're going we're gonna to immerse ourselves in it richly. Everybody wants to be rich. I know some of you are going to tell me that you don't. I know that because I've already had two services and people come up to me after we understand. But I, I just I have a hard time believing. I have a hard time believing you'd, you'd turn down money, you know? I, I just, I don't know, you know? People are like, I don't want to be rich. Well, here's some cash. No, get it back, you know? Uh, I, th- I think everybody does. Now, what is rich? Yeah. Who, who, I mean, how do you define that, you know? How do you define rich monetarily, you know? Because everybody in the rest of the world thinks that you're rich, you know? I mean, that, that's what they think, right? But, but you think the guy in Edmond is rich, you know? And so, I, I don't know. And he thinks the guy in Manhattan is rich. So, you know, what is rich? I, I don't know. Where, where is that line where you're rich? You know, I, I, I think it's just you want more, right? But, but here's the reality. Whatever that is in your head, wherever that line is, where you think, okay, if I had this much money, then we don't have to worry about anything anymore. I would, you know, wouldn't have, I wouldn't be stressed out. I'd have you know, everything. Wherever that line is, you're probably never going to get there. Oh, that's a bummer, isn't it? Some of you might. Maybe. I, I don't know. But most of us, probably that's not going to happen. But you could be rich in the word. Now, how that hits you, again, tells about what you believe about the word. I mean, you, you, you could be a person. There is nothing stopping you from being a person who has this banked up in you, you know? And it's controlling your emotions. It's controlling your, your attitude. It's controlling your outlook on life. It's controlling your relationships. You could be a person who always has access to it in your heart. Like, you put so much of it in there that every situation you encounter, you're going to the bank in your heart, and you're pulling out word. You're pulling out the word of Christ. You could be that person. What's stopping you? You say, I don't have a Bible. We have something for you, right? Get with me. We got one. You say, I can't read. We have people here that will help you. We, we, got, we have devices that you can listen to. The word. There's nothing stopping you from being rich in the word. All right, and so let the word of Christ dwell on you richly. What do we got to do? Well, you got to take it in, first of all. I mean, you got you to believe this is the word of Christ. This is going to change my life. And then, so you got to take it in. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So take it in, then make it welcome, okay? It's, it's not just reading it. You, you, man, you got, you, got to, you, got to, you got to let it live in you. You got to meditate on it. You got to apply it. You got to pray it. You got to obey it. You got to take it serious. You got to make application. 
It's got to live inside of you. You can't, you know, when you think about somebody dwelling in your house. So, you know, if you have a roommate, you know what doesn't work? What doesn't work is if you let them in the front door, you're like, okay, you can live here, but just stay right here in the foyer. You know, where the tile is, you can be there. Where the carpet stop starts, don't go any further. You know, I don't want you in the living room. I don't want you in the kitchen. I don't want you in the bathroom. I don't want you in the den. I don't want you, you know, you, but you can live here just right here, okay? Don't do that with the word. Like a lot of people do that with the word. They'll, they'll take it in very superficially, but it never actually makes it into changing their heart or their attitude or their life. Paul's saying, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know what's interesting is Ephesians 5 tells us the same sequence of verses, but it changes one thing. Okay, so in Ephesians 5, 18, it says, don't get drunk with wine, that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always to God the Father for everything. Did you notice that that's almost an identical sequence as Colossians 3.16, our, our verse here. Our verse is, let the word of Christ win you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in, in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. You know what's different? What's different is, Ephesians says, don't get drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Colossians says, let the word of Christ win you richly. That teaches us what it means to be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means to be controlled by the Spirit. How's that happen? Colossians 3 is telling us. When the word of Christ is dwelling in you, is living in you, it's, it's, it's permeating your attitude and your heart and your affections, you're being filled with the Spirit, right? So, so let it dwell in you richly. Now, here's where I really want to get today, okay? If it is dwelling in you richly, all right? So if you're a person that says, man, I believe this is the word of Christ. This is the word of Almighty God. You know, through his word, everything exists, has come into existence. This is the word of life. This is the gospel. This is the life changer. And you, you regard this word in that way, and you begin to immerse your, your life with the word of God. You begin to take it in. You begin to take notes. You begin to journal it. You begin to pray it. You begin to meditate on it. You begin to seek out commentaries to figure it out. You begin to meet with other people. Here, here's what's going to happen. It's not going to stay in you. It's going to go out. So if it goes in and it's living in you, you know, what's, you know what's eventually going to happen? You're going to begin to speak it to other people. You're going to begin to use it in your life. I've never known anybody to be an exception to that. I've never known anybody who took the word of God in and embraced it fully and it began to transform their life and then they just didn't, didn't speak it or share it with anybody. They never talked about it. I don't know an exception of that. So, so that's why Paul says here, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then he says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Why? Because if it goes in you, it's going to come out of you. You're going to be a true speaker. Now, whoa, whoa, you're saying, well, hold on, pastor. Not everybody's a teacher. What do you mean? This is just for certain people. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you, teaching and admonishing. I'm not a teacher. I, I don't think it's... It's talking about that kind of teacher. I don't think it's talking about the formal person that stands up in front of everybody and teaches a class or teaches a, in, in the sermon. I don't think he's talking about that. Because he's talking about everybody. And, and, and the Bible does say, you know, James 3, 1 says, man, not everybody should be teachers. You're going to come under stricter judgment. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that, that everybody has different gifts, okay? But here's what Colossians 3 is saying. If the word of God is dwelling in you, then you're going to be a person who speaks it to other people. You're going to teach and admonish. In relationships. You say, well, my gift is serving. Great. You will serve and you will share God's truth in your serving. You say, well, my, my gift is giving. Great. You will give and in your giving, you will share God's truth. 
You, you will be a person who teaches and admonishes. You'll be a truth speaker. How do I know this? This was Paul's goal for every church that he, that he ever pastored. This is our goal for Lincoln Avenue. What, what are we trying to do here at Lincoln? Well, we want people to be born again. We want them to come and be joined to Jesus Christ. And then we want them to grow up in faith. And we, want them, we want them to be a disciple. And then we want them to begin to make disciples. Because we believe that when you are a disciple, you'll begin to make disciples. We believe when you begin to obey the word, you'll begin to share the word. Right? How do I know that? Well, Romans 15, 14, here's his goal for the church at Rome. He says, I myself am satisfied about you. He says, man, I'm happy with you guys, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. So why is he happy with the church at Rome? Because, man, they're, 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 they're taking in the word of God, and they're, they're speaking it to each other. How about a church he's not happy with? Well, Hebrews would be one. Okay, so he's writing to these folks here. Um, here's, what, here's what Hebrews 5 says, 5.11. About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. Oh, no, he's not happy with these guys. They become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. Huh. Now, again, not like everybody ought to have a class, you know. Because here's the, here's the funny thing. If everybody in this room had a class, who would be in the class? So, so he's not talking about that, right? He says, but you ought to be teachers. You ought to be truth speakers. But he says, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. In other words, you're not growing up in the faith. Verse 13, for everyone who lives on milk is, here's what he's talking about, unskilled in the word of righteousness. They're not using the word, right? Unskilled means you, you, you're not using it. Not that you don't know it, you're not using it. Unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child, verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained, trained by the word by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So what, what, Paul, what, what Hebrews is saying here is that when you take in the, the word of God and you begin to use it, you know what happens? Your, your powers of discernment get trained. So you start, you start distinguishing good from evil, bad from best, right? You, you, start, you start using it in your life. That, that's a sign of spiritual maturity. So here's, let's, let's back up. So what's he saying? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Now, the case I'm going to make to you for about the next 20 minutes is this. That is more than giving information. See, I, I, think, I think we're confused about it. I think when we hear teaching and admonishing, well, then, then I, think, I think Donnie's thinking he's going to go home and Lynn's going to get a chair and they're going to face each other and Donnie's going to download everything he knows about Jesus on Lynn. You know, Lynn, do you know this, 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 you know, you know, and then he's going to get done and then Lynn's going to be, all right, let me tell you everything I know, you know, and then she's going to look, yeah, I don't think that's what he means. All right, I don't think that's what he means. I think this, the information is the easy part, Okay. Do you remember the Great Commission? Last thing Jesus said before he ascended him. He said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he said, teaching them to, do you remember? It's not up there. Teaching them to, it's uh, Matthew 28, sorry. Blake, there you go. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Obey all that I've commanded you. Teach them. Right. That's the hard part. So, Think about it this way. Dave Biffle, do you know, do you know this already? Do you know that the Bible commands you to be humble? Do you know that? 
Have you ever heard that before? You have that heard that before. He already has the information. All right, so Dave, does that mean that you never struggle with humility in your life? Like you're done. You, already, you know it, so you're done. No, it doesn't mean that. Right? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like there's more to what teaching and admonishing one another means than just give me the information. I mean, how many of you know, you ought to, if you've been here last month, you ought to know this. How many of you know that the Bible tells us to put off anger and forgive? You know that? Is that new to anybody in this room? Did anybody say, I never heard that. I thought Jesus wanted me to be mad, you know? I thought, man, isn't this a religion where you go cut people's heads off? Am I in the wrong place? You know, you're in the wrong place. All right, no, you're actually in the right place. We're glad you're here, all right? That, right? I don't think that's not news to anybody. But do you still struggle to not be angry and to forget? You do. That's where the teaching and admonishing one another comes in. Do you, do you see what I'm saying, right? So, so in other words, when Paul says that the word of Christ, when you richly, and he's teaching and admonishing, it's, it's not just no information about God. It's more than that. So what is the more? Okay, let me give you about five things that are the more that, that make this work. So what are you to be to one another? Okay, this is what we're to be to one another. So we're, we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. So get this word inside of you. Get it in there. Get it in there. Get it in there. Let it saturate your life. Let it control your priorities and your values and affections. And then, and then, teaching and admonishing one another. What does that mean? Number one, that means working out the wisdom of daily life. Where am I getting that? Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Now, you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is when you take the truths of the Bible and you apply them to your practical life. So, some of you are church history people, and, and you know, let, let me just ask you this. What did Paul, what did the Apostle Paul, what did he say about Facebook? Where's that at? What verse is that? Is that in Galatians? What did Peter say about Twitter? Huh? What did Augustine say about cell phones? What did Martin Luther, we're getting up into the 1500s now. What did Martin Luther say about the internet? Okay, so here, here's the deal. Those guys didn't say anything about that because it wasn't around, Right? And so what, what, what are we doing as a church? Well, we're in small groups, we're in discipleship groups, we're in families, we're immersing ourselves with the Word of God, and then we're to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. What does that mean? We are to be applying the Word of God to the everyday things of life, right? That, that's work. I mean, man, we, man, we need more Word. You, you, know what, you know what goes really badly? When people try to do that without immersing themselves in the Word of Christ. So what, what do we do with technology, for instance? Well, with technology, we, we go into the Bible and we immerse our minds and our hearts with Jesus, what he says about priorities and purity and relationships and dis the discipline of our time and the proclamation of the gospel and what he says about gossip and slander and lust and greed and discontent. And then you know what we do? We take that truth and then we, in all wisdom, we begin to apply it to cell phones and personal computers and social media and internet porn and Snapchat and iTunes and Netflix and Twitter and Facebook and all of those things. So, number one, teaching and admonishing, what does that mean? It means we, we apply the truth of the scriptures in wisdom to the real life situations of the world. Number two, it means that we remind each other of what we already know. So, you know what keeps a lot of people from sharing truth? 
I know this is because they tell it to me. What keeps a lot of people from speaking biblical truth is this. They will say, I don't know enough. I don't know enough. I don't have all this down. Listen, most of teaching and admonishing one another is not new information. It is, it, it is reminding one another of what we already know. Let me prove it to you. 2 Peter chapter 1, here's what Peter says his mission is. <clears throat> Verse 12, he says, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them, and you're already established in the truth. He says, you already know these things, but it's my mission to remind you. I think it's right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon and the Lord Jesus Christ will be made clear to me and I will make every effort so that at my departure you may be able to recall any of these things. A lot of, a lot of teaching and admonishing is, is reminding each other of what we already know. Man, I'm telling you, I need to be reminded of humility over and over and over again. I need to be reminded of forgiveness over and over and over again. I need to be reminded of hope over and over and over. I just do. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're one of those people, you don't need any reminders. Like, God told you once, you're good, you know? I, I do. Man, every day, I am reminding myself of Psalm 1824. This is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. I sure wish that I woke up. I sure wish my alarm would have went off at 5 this morning, and I would have just been like, throw it off the covers, you know, and out of bed, and church day, woo, let's go. Man, I'm excited. That's not what it happened, you know? Man, I got to, I got to. I'm reminding myself, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. This is what God's going to do. I'm reminding, reminding, reminding. That's, that's teaching and admonishing one another. That, that's what he's saying here. When the word of Christ is in you, now you're equipped to teach and admonish by way of wisdom, by way of reminder. Third, by way of urging, pleading, and exhorting. A couple weeks ago, um, at Man Up, um, I taught on Lot. Man, that, that is an interesting guy. Remember the Old Testament guy, Lot? He's the guy that was in Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, which we don't have time to unpack how he got there. Bad deal. But anyway, he's in Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and it's interesting that when the messengers from God get to Sodom, they, they tell Lot what's going to happen. So uh, let, let me just, let, let's outline this. All right, so in Genesis 19, verse 13, they tell him the truth of God. Here's the truth, Okay. We are about to destroy this place because the outcry against his people has become great before the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. All right? So God's going to destroy it. Now you would think, wouldn't you, that Lot, you'd, you'd be like, all right, Lot, did you hear what I said? And you'd be like, where'd he go? You know, and he's like running, you know. He's running out of Sodom. He's getting out of there. Wrath of God's coming down. That's not what happened. He, 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 listen, verse 15, this is hours later. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, up, exclamation point. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. Up, get up. What, what's he doing now? Are they given any new information? No new information. What's he doing? It's what the Bible calls exhorting, right? 
urging, entreating. That's another word the Bible uses. You know what it is? Sometimes teaching and admonishing means you, you got to get along somebody, alongside somebody. Help them. Help them. Okay? Listen. One of the weirdest things in the world. Verse 16. He lingered. He still is not running out of the city. So you know what they do? Verse 16. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. Now again, no new information was communicated, but what was happening there? Admonishment, exhortation, encouragement. You know what? There's a bunch of these passages in the Bible. Here's one, 1 Thessalonians chapter, uh, chapter 1. Or I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 12. Paul says, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. All three of those words describe communicating truth. It's just in different ways, right? So, so let's, say that, um, let's say that Addie and Deborah have a beef against one another. They got mad. Addie, Addie criticized Deborah's piano playing. She is ticked, right? All right, so I come over to Addie, and I, I first step, Addie, you need to go make things right with Deborah. You know, you need to go say you're sorry, and that's what Christians do, right? Now, this is my experience. Do people always right away jump up and go do what the Bible tells them to do? They don't, right? So sometimes we got to go to the next thing, right? Up, Addie, up, right? That's, that's what the angels did. That's called exhortation, entreating. So I, I'd be like, Addie, Addie, come on, man. Listen, you got to do the right thing here. You got to trust Jesus. You get, it's the right thing. You know, Deborah's another believer. You got to be reconciled, right? She still may, just like Lot, linger. Then what? Make things right. See, didn't that feel good? Good. She didn't really criticize your plan, Deborah. Deborah's like mad. <laughs> no. Are we getting a picture of teaching and admonishing one another? You see, you see what I'm saying? Sometimes it's holding each other accountable. There's a great story in Galatians, Galatians chapter two, where um, Peter, remember back in Acts, Peter gets this vision, this uh, sheet, all these animals in it. God says, "Kill and eat." He's like, "I ain't eating that. No way. It's unclean. I'm never eating anything unclean. I'm a good Jew." God says, "Peter, don't you call unclean what I said to call clean, right?" Peter receives that. There's a new thing. Everybody gets to, gets to God through the cross, through Jesus, only through Jesus. Okay? Peter knows that. But what happens in Galatians? Well, he's with the Gentiles, and for the first time, he is enjoying a pulled pork sandwich, you know? And he's fellowshipping with the Gentiles, and they're hobnobbing and praying together and loving on each other, and he's in their homes until some other folks from Jerusalem come. And then, all of a sudden, Peter's hanging outside. Peter's not hungry. Ah, he's politely excusing himself. Okay, now what does Peter need? Does he need more truth? Does, did he not understand the message? He understood. You know what he needs? Some accountability. So what's Paul do? Galatians 2.11, When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came for, from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back, separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led away with his, by the hypocrisy. But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, 
If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? What, what did he do? He did not give Paul, Peter, any new information. What he did was gave him accountability. Quickly, um, modeling. Uh, number five, modeling obedience. I could, I could show you several places. We don't have time. But 1 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17, Acts 20, 32 through 35, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 6, all those passages, Paul, in one way or another, says, imitate me, imitate me, imitate me. Do, do, I'm living it out here for you so that you can see what this looks like. Okay, that's another way that we teach and admonish one another. Praying for one another, that's all through the New Testament. Praying with one another for obedience. I pray that God would help you obey, that he would help you forgive, that he would help you not be angry, that he would help you not be greedy, that he would help you out of sexual immorality. We, we do that for each other. That's all part of teaching and admonishing one another. Okay, are we getting a picture here? So when we regard this as the word of Christ and we work really hard to get it into our life and, and to let it live in us and to begin to shape our affections and our mind and our heart and our values, it's gonna begin to come out of us. And how's it gonna come out of us? Teaching and admonishing one another, encouraging one another, helping each other, modeling, praying, all wisdom, applying it to, to our lives. We're going to do that together. That's a sign that we are disciples and we are making disciples. Now, what about this next part? Switch gears here. <clears throat> the last part of the verse says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, What's going on here? Paul is saying if, if the word of Christ is dwelling in us, then we'll sing. Did everybody hear that? If the word of Christ is dwelling in us, then we will sing. Why will we sing? Well, God has given us this mechanism of singing. Uh, and what it basically is, is it's when, when there's a truth and when we when we love it, when we value it, when we are stirred emotionally by it, song grabs onto that truth and it brands it into our life. It's the very reason why some of you, whenever an 80s hairband song comes on, all of a sudden you are teleported back to Main Street of your little town where you grew up and you have a mullet and you're in your pinno and you're dragging Maine, you know? And you smell it and you feel it and you, you know, you just, you do. You know why? And, and, and listen, in, in a lot of cases, it's not a good thing. Like, like in a lot of cases, songs brand certain times and experiences in your life to you forever. All right? But, but here's, here's, here's what the Bible is saying. We ought to sing because the gospel, the truths of God are so glorious, that'll move you emotionally. That'll move you. Listen. If the gospel was this, okay, so if everything we know was not true and instead God reached down from heaven and said, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you a cupcake on your 65th birthday. It's going to be one from heaven. We make it in the bakery in heaven. That's my gift to you. Then you'll die and go to hell. We would not sing. You know why? That's not good enough news to sing. Okay? But when we understand the gospel as we understand it is this, that you're dying and going to go to hell forever, and God reached down through His Son to live the perfect life, 
and then to die a death for all of your junk, all of your sin. He put it upon himself, and then he rose from the dead that you might be joined to his resurrection life, that you might be completely made righteous and forgiven, that you might have a new heart and a new life and live in a new heavens and a new earth forever and ever. That ought to charge you emotionally. Like that's, that ought to grab onto something in you. And that's why we sing. You see, do you remember how we started this chapter? Colossians 3 told us, if, if, you, if you've been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above. That's the foundation. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, where he's seated, what he's done, what he will do. That we, our mind's got to be on that. Remember, this is the way that we defeat sin. How do you not eat the Oreo that, that represents sin? By having a better dessert there all the time. All right? How do you not fall into sin? By having a, something better. And the things above that Christ has done for us, it's better. So Paul says, set your mind on things above. Now, why do we sing? Because we don't just want our mind to be there. We want our heart to be there as well. When your heart is there, when you, when you love the truth, man, that's something more powerful. It's kind of like this. I know because I've read I've seen movies, I've seen documentaries. I know that the Grand Canyon is a deep hole, thousands of foot deep. I know that in my mind. I don't need any other proof. But is there not something else that happens when you're standing on the south rim? It doesn't mean. Not, not, not new knowledge, like, oh, it's 20 feet deeper than I thought it was. No, 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 no. Something else happens. Like my heart is, is attached now to the grandeur of the truth. That, that's what should be happening in the gospel. When, you, when you, you believe it, you will sing. Now, why don't some of us sing? Well, sometimes it's honestly, it's just silly reasons. Sometimes it's just that we are, we're not good singers. Some of us aren't. Have you heard Pastor Gary sing? And he, he'll tell you this. He's back there. He, you know. So what do we do with that? Why does that matter? Huh? So you know why it matters? Because we care more about what other people think. That's the only reason it matters. I, I remember I was, um, I got saved in May of 1990. Um, I was going to go to Fort Hayes State University on a wrestling scholarship. Canceled all that. Matt Cribbs calls me from Tabor College. Says, you want to be my roommate at Tabor College? I was like, you bet. Where's Tabor College? I went there. I signed up. He began to disciple me. We began to do just this thing. He began to teach me the word of Christ. He began to show me how to, how to apply it to my life. He began to come alongside me and model it for me and challenge me and exhort me and tell me up, you know, obey all that was happening. And then I remember the day that he came in and he said, hey, get your stuff. We're going to the rest home. I'd never been to the rest home in my life that I can remember. I, I don't think I'd ever been to one. I said, why are we going to the rest home? He said, we're going to sing for the people. I said, no, no, no we're not. Uh, not. Not this we, you know. And he said, yeah. He said, come on. Uh, at that point in my life, I mean, I, I want to be obedient to Jesus, so I went. You know, Emma went too. We were dating at the time. Called her. her uh, Matt's girlfriend went. Matt was a guy, he could do anything. He was a baseball player, he was a pitcher at Tabor College. He played the piano, he could do anything, you know. So he's there playing the piano, and we got these hymn books, and we're singing for the people. I mean, we just came in, sat down, we just started singing. They came, kind of gathered around. 
You know, and I remember, I distinctly remember the conversation in the car afterward. Like, him and I were sitting there, I'm like, it was okay. I was like, I tried my best. But I said, I couldn't hit any of those high notes, and I couldn't hit any of those low notes. I said, I just, like, was right there in the middle, you know? And I was like, I, 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 was like, I, I really can't sing, honey. Like, I'm disabled. Like, I, I can't, you know? I mean, I thought that. I really thought that. I thought, I just, I'm just one of those people I can't sing. I'm, I've got a disability, you know? You, you know what I figured out with time? That when I stopped caring about what anybody, sang, anybody thought, I could sing fine. I mean, you're like, no, you can't. I, I don't care, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, literally, that's the dumb thing that keeps people from celebrating the gospel. Like, people are afraid they're going to make a mistake. A couple hours ago, I'm sitting right there in that second row, and me and Haven were there. Haven had put her, come put her arm around me. I put her arm around me. We were singing together, you know. And the, one of the verses of the song ended with Jesus, just one Jesus. I thought there were two Jesuses. I thought it was like Jesus and then Jesus, you know. So, like, Michelle ends with Jesus, everybody else. And I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> you know. Haven looks up at me. <laughs> yeah. You know what terrible thing happened afterward? Nothing. What's going to happen? Like, what are people going to do? Martin Luce was sitting behind me. What's he going to do? You know, is he going to, well, I'm not going to be that guy's friend anymore. He says Jesus twice. I, I like, really, what is going to happen? So you're off a little. Your voice squeaks a little. I, like, we're talking about celebrating the gospel. We're talking about everybody in heaven is going to be doing this. Read Revelation 5. Listen, if you're just like, I'm out on singing, hey, there's a place for you. It's called hell. Like, honestly, like, I, like if you're not going to celebrate Jesus, I can only think of one place where that's not going to happen. We need to sing. Good songs, Christ-centered songs, set our heart on things above. Now, bear with me. Five, five more minutes. In Ephesians, here's something that puzzles me a little bit. It says, very specifically, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing, making melody in your heart. Addressing one another. You see, in Colossians 3, it just says, um, let the Word of Christ run you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spirit. So like, you, you could almost get away with just saying, well, that just means when we go to church, we sing. But when you read Ephesians and it says addressing one another, that, that's telling me that there's something else going on. Like, like that song is actually useful outside of this building. And so I'm trying to get my head around that. And, and so at first I thought, well, it says speaking, addressing one another in psalms. I like psalms. What are the psalms? Well, in your Old Testament, there's a whole book. It's long, 150 chapters. It's called Psalms, Okay. It's the hymn book of the Old Testament. They would sing them. We, we've kind of lost the music to them, so we don't sing them. You know, some people actually do. They're writing them. Um, but we don't know how they sounded back then, but that doesn't matter. But, but like addressing one another in song, well, I do that all the time. That's easy. Like I don't sing them, but I, but I speak song, right, Addie? Like Psalm 118.24, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad. We say that all the time in our family. Psalm 63.3, because your steadfast love is better than life, so my lips will praise you. So I was like, that's what that means. But then it said, Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So, it, folks, I think there is something to the power of song in everyday life. 
I was trying to think of illustrations. We have a practice at our home. Um, we used to do a lot more than we do now just because we were scheduled so crazy. But we'd all sit down at the table, and before we'd eat, instead of prayer, or sometimes in addition to prayer, we would sing the doxology together. That, that's, that's a meaningful thing. Um, this last week on the mountain bike course, I, I realized, I, we've been doing this a long time, but I realized what we were doing after I've been reading this passage. But there's this one hill that we climb, and then Randall's put a cross up at the top of the hill, and we, we diverted the trail so that it goes around the cross. And I realized that what we've been doing is when we get to the top of that hill and we go around that cross, every time, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. Right? Except it doesn't sound like that. we got to take turns because we're winded. So it's like I'll start at the cross, at the cross, and then Andrew will pick it up. Where I first saw the light, you know? And, 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 but we're singing to each other. And, and listen, it's not just like a funny song. Like I realize that I'm really, when I'm singing that, like I'm like, I'm laying my burdens down. Like that's a real deal. Like, I feel it. I, I think we gotta, we need to do that, church. Like, these truths that we are letting dwell in our hearts, they're so awesome that we ought to sing about them. Randall sings this song on the bike trail. Um, I don't know where he heard it. I've never heard anybody else sing it in my life. I think he made it up. But it's like, higher, higher. It's, that, it's not higher, higher. It's higher, higher. Higher, higher. Jesus, take me higher. You know, and he, he'll sing that and... Uh, I think there's something really healthy about that, even if it's made up. Um, I think there's something in us that we naturally do that for things we love. Addie came back from college this year, and she had made a collage of her life. That was one of her assignments. And in the collage, I realized she had written the little jingle that I've been singing to her since she was a baby. And I realized that I've got one of those for all my kids. Didn't plan to do it. Didn't do it intentionally. It's just, and maybe that's partly my personality, but like I love them, and so I, I sing a little song about them. Um, it's usually made up, a couple phrases. It's usually silly, you know, but it's kind of a term of endearment. You know, it's like having a little name for a kid, you know, sweet pumpkin or whatever, you know. So what I'm telling you is I think that's in us. I think, I think for some reason in Christianity, we squelch it. Why do we do that? We ought, we ought to be happy about Jesus. We ought to have songs during our week. I think we do. I think um, this is dangerous, but if I were comparing Lincoln Avenue to other churches, which again is terrible, don't do it. But if, if I did, I would say we're doing well in things like discipleship. I think we're doing well in, in you know, men, meeting with men, Grappling with the word together, holding each other accountable, women with women. I, th- I think we do pretty well with that. I think we do pretty well in missions. I don't know that we sing well. Um, now, again, you're thinking, well, I'm not talking about musically. Like, it sounds great, guys, you know. I'm not talking about that. I- I'm just saying, do we use song in, in a powerful way to fight against sin and to love Jesus more? I think we need to grow in that. Let's grow in that, okay? Can we do that together? Let's grow in that. Father in heaven, I ask you to help us. I ask you, Father, to uh, pour your Holy Spirit out upon us. Let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. 
Lord, help us to teach and admonish one another. God, help us to just use the word and encouraging and exhorting and challenging and rebuking and all of those things, God, that we might obey all that you've commanded. And God, I pray that we might celebrate everything you've done, that our hearts might be full, that they might be joyful over, over the gospel and that we might sing. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>